On today's episode of the Playgrounder Podcast, we bring on Rob Shaw. Uh, no math for this first part, just me and Rob, just basically discussing every second round series. We uh, recorded this directly after Raptors-Celtics Game 3, as you'll see when we get into it. So we're at that point recording this. So both Western Conference ones are kind of like a preview, even though by the time you're listening to this, Game 1 of Clippers Nuggets will be done. And then both East ones are kind of like a midpoint talk, that kind of thing. Uh, then Matt and Jesse Sinquini of the Playgrounder and also covering the Grizzlies for SB Nation for the Grizzly, Grizzly Bear Blues. So we bring him on. We talk uh, basically just coming up with some mock trades for the offseason for Memphis and Portland. Uh, fun stuff, fun conversation. Uh, four Playgrounder guys coming at you on this episode. That's always fun. And you can check out all our writings and all our other stuff on theplaygrounder.com or the Playgrounder YouTube page at PlaygrounderNBA on Twitter at the playground or on Instagram. Fun episode. Great game. Good job, Raptors. Uh, everyone knows I'm happy about that. Uh, let's get it. All right. We are, uh, man, we're coming at you directly after game three of Raptors Celtics and for a basketball fan as a whole that was exciting but for me as a Raptors fan I am I'm buzzing right now like I can't even like barely talk Rob so I'll let you take away a bit of your um your opinions from this game in this series so far as I kind of as I kind of settled down so I was ready to come in here and just crush Toronto Yo, me too I was ready to just after that Kemba pass I was like yeah this pod's gonna suck I was ready to crush them. Um, like Pascal Siakam is definitely living off of his early season work where he was like 27 and it felt like 13 for the first month and a half of the season. And he's still struggling with, I, I, he's struggling with Boston's defenders, whether it's like the stout Marcus Smart or Jalen Brown has just been hell for everybody. Yeah, on both ends. There was a sequence in the third quarter where um, it's a Pascal ISO versus Jalen Brown, and he misses a jump hook or uh, Brown tips it. And then the very next play, they come back down and they run a Pascal uh, Fred Van Fleet pick and roll. And Brown switches that and draws a charge on Fred. And it was like defensive mastery. Yeah, I mean, really, that's that's honestly one way to describe this entire series other than Game 1 for Toronto. But really, Game 2 and 3 on both teams have been really, really solid defensively. And yeah, Jalen Brown, they are living with Pascal inside because they have the defenders to guard him. And they're kind of sagging off him and letting him just drive into them because Pascal's shot just isn't working at all. Um, sometimes Toronto looks like they're doing the shell drill. Like the way they're rotating and forcing passes and it's when they say like the team moves on a string, like everybody understands their defensive rotations if you're on the floor for Nick Nurse. No, Toronto is flawless at that. Um so Kev, let's fast forward to the fourth quarter where things just let's get do it. Exciting. There's about under thirty seconds left and Kemba's dribbling and dribbling and I'm almost positive they're going to get a poor shot. I thought they were going to get a great shot when he got um, Umbaka switched on him initially, 
but then they brought like the hard trap and he sort of split it and he drives into the paint and he gets caught up in the air and I assume he's going to have to dish it to a shooter for like a low percentage look. It's going to be a forced look. And then Tice is just sort of behind the defense waiting in the dunker spot with not a soul near him. I think it's... um, I'm not even sure whose blown coverage it was. Yeah, it it wasn't... Honestly, like, it almost didn't seem like anybody's, like, maybe Siakam's, if so, because essentially what happened was Gasol and Fred were trapping, and he kind of blew past them. Lowry stepped into the middle, and then he stepped up on Kemba because he was getting past... I guess the blown coverage was just they let him out of the trap. Like, that's really where it was. They didn't didn't use the baseline efficiently. Yeah, so, like, they, they... Yeah, yeah, they let... Kemba get out of the trap because then Pascal was kind of responsible for that side where there was two shooters and OG was taking the strong side and Kyle had to step up on him and then yeah when you're trapping there's one person automatically open and that's the exact person you basically want to leave open but it's just except for not in the dunker spot (laughs) yeah right and he and he broke the trap so there's that and then how about you uh you take me through your emotions on that final play (laughs) because I was so on on the final play well, first of all, can I just wax poetic about OG for a minute? Go. He's played amazing this series. He's the only one who all three games has played good for Toronto. All right, so I'm a big Kentucky fan. And the Zion Williams, RJ Barrett year, they played Duke at the Champions Classic to start the season. And Duke smacked the life out of us. And the whole time I watched the game, I just remember thinking... Keldon Johnson is the only player for Kentucky who belongs. And I say that to say when I watched game one, OG was the only one I thought for Toronto who belonged. I was like, oh, my God. It's true. He he looks the part. He plays the part. There's even this one sequence where it's him versus Jalen Brown in ISO. And it just looks so fun. Like, I was like, I hope they just clear out the next four possessions and just let these dudes play one-on-one. And for him to get a game winner in the playoffs. It's the first time Toronto's beat Boston in the bubble. And I know the bubble is a very small sample size, but you need to know that you can beat them in this environment. There is no Jurassic Park behind you. Um, you're not in the Air Canada. You need to know that in this environment, we can still beat these guys. Right, And that's what I'm talking about is, you know, like, sure, we'll take this win. It was really close. Um and if you play like this again, the odds are you come out of this game with a win are, are, are low. Like, the odds that OG hits that shot nine times out of ten are low. But in saying that, this instills so much confidence. Just the fact, as you said, you know you can win. You beat them in this environment. And not only did you beat them, you beat them in the last game so you can ride momentum. But, yeah, I mean, OG, obviously, of course, that game-winning shot, the quick release, 0.5 seconds, amazing. But I also really want to give a lot of credit to Kyle Lowry, who threw a dime over Taco Fall across the court. Like, I, I think... That kind of gets overlooked, and as much as it is probably more simple right than the shot, pocket, right? Though. It was Just it was perfect. Much adjustment. This is a. It's really a dime. Yeah, and I mean, we can talk about Kyle Lowry the whole night. Thirty-one, six and eight. Thirteen of twenty-three. He came in from that first possession and one. He was a man on a mission tonight. So, um, we now officially have a series. Thank God. That's actually, like, that's crazy. Like, the difference between OG missing and making that shot was, okay, the Raptors are in this and they can do this, or, yeah, 3-0, it's over. Uh, can we talk about the Raptors' three-point shooting for the series? Yeah, I mean, not uh, not a ton to talk about, eh? <laughs> They're 
34 for 120. Yeah. They're getting up. They're each game they've put up 43s. Like 40 on the dot. Yeah, tonight they were 13 of 40, and it was their best night of the three. It's not like that. It's a team of bad shooters. I think it comes down to the larger issue of they don't have wing size that really creates. And and I think there's definitely a bit of that. But honestly, like they've been getting some fairly open shots. Now, they're absolutely cold. So as you mentioned, they don't have wings that can create. So they can't get off the three-point line and drive inside and finish inside to kind of get rhythm going. So they're forced to just keep shooting those threes. But man, they've they're just missing a lot of open shots. And can I shout out uh, one of your tweets from this week? <laughs> I don't know which one it is, but go ahead. <laughs> um, I'm paraphrasing, but you said that Kawhi probably just missed out on like the best, the easiest repeat in a long time. Man, like watching these games, that's all I think. I'm like, Toronto is right in here at the top of the East, and they lost arguably the best player in the league. And and I read that, and I was like, wow, he's right. And I still think the Clippers are going to win, so I do I think do he has a chance to repeat, mm-hmm. but. Like that continuity that he gave up for, uh, what do they call him? George Paul? <laughs> Pandemic P. There's a, <laughs> I heard somebody say post traumatic P. <laughs> like they're, they're coming at him with the niggas. To be fair, he's played a bit better since. Um, but yeah, that, uh, that start was rough. But yeah, like. Well, when we get to the uh, Nuggets Clippers series, I actually do want to talk about Paul George specifically. I mean, if you don't have any more to say on Toronto Boston, then we can go there right now. No, no, no. I have a couple okay, things. Okay, you got a couple more points? We saw Enos Cantor tonight. Yeah, and I want to see more of him. <laughs> Son, he was like immediately trick-or-treat. He subs into the game and immediately gets a bucket. And then the very next trip, they put him in pick and roll, and he's just hammering Fred Van Fleet. Like he was immediately, this is why you play him, because he's he's a bucket. This is why you can't play him. He can't guard me. Yeah, it's uh, they put him in pick and roll every time. And it was so. What I was thinking is, in order for him to play, he needs to be involved in the. He'll be involved in the action every single time. Like if he's on the court, Boston needs to have him in the pick and roll almost every single time, just because they know on the other end they're going to keep attacking him. So his value is only useful if he's on the offensive glass or involved in the action. I agree. I don't know why. I, don't, I honestly don't know why he plays because Robert Williams is such a threat. He's he's a good player, and Toronto's biggest weakness is guarding those kind of vertical threats at the rim. So I'm co- really confused why Cantor played. Maybe I heard a bit on the broadcast of maybe Williams being a bit hurt, but I don't know why he went um, in. I heard them mention that he's done really good against Toronto's zone. Mm. I mean, it makes it makes sense, but yeah, it's it's hard in the he's playoffs so when right, right. Um, I thought I saw a little bit too much Grant Williams for my liking today, and I like Grant Williams. I just I feel like in the playoffs that that's short in the rotation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and I, mean, I don't think I have anything else on that game unless you do. No, I mean we saw Nick Nurse and the Raptors lay it all on the line. OG played forty five minutes, Kyle played forty six, and Fred played forty. Like it, it, that's that's. That's how you do it, bud. That's how you that's how you win a game. You put your star players out for more than 25 minutes, okay? Giannis can play 40 minutes if you need a win. Um, but that's uh, that's my little rant. I do want to give a quick shout-out to OG. Just walking off so cold. Just, yo, this guy didn't celebrate at all. This guy just started strutting toward the bench straight face. Like, it wasn't even, like, a mean mug. Like, this guy was like, yeah, I'd do this. 
I'm so impressed with him. I think like a summer, I think from two years from now, I think he'll really be probably an Eastern Conference all-star as long as he adds to like his isolation and creation package. But all the tools are there. Yeah, it's it's the handle for him. And once he does that, he has a complete game. Um, I can see him being very similar to Jalen Brown, I think is my the point I'm trying to make. Yeah, no, he's a... Fantastic. He's been great these playoffs. Um, we can go to Denver, LA for a bit. There's not a ton of purpose to talk a ton about this series just because game one's going on right now. So we're kind of previewing it. But by the time people listen to this, it'll be after game one. But I guess we can kind of preview it a bit. What do you got on this one? Um, I sent out a tweet earlier in the week. Who do the Clippers want to face? Um, the Jazz or the Nuggets? And in my heart of heart, I thought they want to face the Nuggets. The Nuggets haven't been very good defensively, and Paul George has really struggled offensively, so let's play a high-powered offense where we're going to get a bunch of possessions, and the score is going to be really high, and let's just shoot Paul George out of this funk. And then add in that they don't have a ton of rim protection, or particularly big wings, like Gary Harris is where I'd assume is who I'd assume is going to guard Kawhi. Yeah. I think him or Grant, him or Grant have to be on Kawhi and Paul. And then like, I assume we're going to see some Tory Craig on them as well. Probably. Yeah. But other than that, I think the Clippers should wrap this up in five. And yeah, I think they like, and that's why I kind of had them beating Dallas in five. Cause they're just such a better team. And then Denver just doesn't have anyone like Luka unless Jamal Murray can do what he did this series again. <laughs> oh, can we talk about Jamal Murray being petrified in Game 7? Yeah, I mean, literally no one can make a bucket in that Game 7. No, no, but Donovan Mitchell took his heart. Like, he was shying away from the ball. This is a guy who shoots 85-plus at the free throw line, and he's dipping it off to Torrey Craig in the closing moments when he's supposed to just dribble out the clock. Yeah, no, that uh, that was a bad play on both their parts. He should have just kind of stunted like he was going in, make the defense think it, and then kind of dribble out around to like waste some extra time. And Torrey Craig should make the layup. And then Torrey, yeah, Torrey Craig just missed the layup. I almost called him Torrey Lanes. Uh, <laughs> Torrey Craig just missed the layup. Uh, and then wow, oh my, could you like imagine if that Conley shot went in? How terrible both of those guys would have felt. Oh my god, it was so close. It yeah, it literally like rimmed out. It, it felt like the Gordon Hayward uh, 2010 one at uh, Butler versus Duke. Oh, yeah. The backboard. Rim, oh, man. Yeah. Like, um, it just felt like this is a centimeter away from epicness. Yeah. No. At, the only way Denver I can see winning this series is if Jokic absolutely takes control on Zubots and Harrell. And Zubots is honestly a pretty good defender. Uh, Harrell, I, I, I'm not big on him defensively. I think Jokic could take care of him. But Jokic is going to have to... Be, prove like hey I'm here I'm a top 10 player in this league and this is why and Murray's gonna have to do obviously I'm not saying he has to drop 40 a game but some resemblance of what he showed last series does Denver buy into all the things that the Mavs didn't like the Clippers besides being uber talented they play a style of not bully ball but like where they try and intimidate you like Marcus Morris Pat Bev um, Paul George is sort of like a follower, but like when the team is like that, he gets into the mix. That's how he wound up in it with Dame. Um, even Trez, they try and they try to intimidate you. Right. And I saw a lot of that with Luca. And to the Mavs' credit, they didn't back down or shy away from that. 
No, they were going at Luca hard, and man, Luca is unreal. Like I had a list of like six players that I would say are these are the only six who can be the best player on a championship team, and Luca just made it a seventh with that series. Like I'm that big on him. I'd have to think about that, but I de- he's easily the. If you're redrafting the league, he's the number one pick. Yeah, like if you're as picking a guy to rebuild around longevity. Right. No, exactly. He's uh and even if you were drafting for just this year, like he'd still go top ten. Easily. He's, he's just been that he's he's an offense to himself, which is probably there's only a few guys you say that about, like yeah. LeBron, Harden, Steph, Steph Durant. Kawhi is then, probably there. Kawhi, Kawhi is definitely Kawhi is amazing. And that's oh man, watching these Raptors games, I'm like Man, it was so nice watching last year, just being so comfortable, you know, in these close games. Like, oh, we can give it to Kawhi. This guy's ice in his veins. And now I'm oh, like, do we go to a? Yeah, do I go to? Do we go to a Pascal spin move? Does Kyle Lowry just drive to the net or hit a pull up? Does Fred hit a kick out? So, anyways, I don't know. If you have any more Nuggets Clippers, I think it, like it's hard to preview just because they're going to be listening after Game One, and we're recording this before slash during the first quarter of Game One. No, I get my my main takeaway is look for a high pace, a high volume of shots. And I think this is Paul George's best chance to get into a rhythm. Totally. Cause they're going to put their best defender, which is Gary Harris on Kawhi. And they don't have much past that. Yeah. Uh, let's go back to the East Milwaukee, Miami, where Miami currently is up two Oh, um, I, I want to say, I expect Milwaukee to win game three, just cause I know they're better than what they've shown, but man, it's Miami, Miami builds the wall and, and, and Giannis's teammates just they aren't doing much and Giannis obviously isn't doing much which I will say I'm not as hard on him as most people are because if you still are watching the games like it takes three guys to stop him like he's getting triple teamed I don't know what people expect him to do he still had 29 and 14 but I don't know what are your kind of takeaways from this series so far uh, well I actually want to counter your question with a question um my boy Riley uh He's always super supportive. He sent me something today where is Milwaukee the least talented team remaining in the playoffs? Even if you take Giannis as the best player, like you think he's number one overall, I think I'd take a lot of teams left second guy over Middleton. No, I would for sure. I think I would take every team second guy over Middleton. Um, Denver gets a little iffy for me, depending on where you like Jokic or Murray. And then after that, I don't think I come to Toronto. I mean, to Milwaukee's third guy for a really long time. Like, I think I'm taking the third and fourth guy off most teams before I get to what Bledsoe. Except, I think. Well, there, I think you could counter with the Lakers' third guy. Okay, that that's a good point. But their top two guys are so talented that <laughs> it doesn't matter as much. So far and ahead, right? So I. I do think that is to note, like as great as Giannis and Middleton are, particularly Giannis, they are at they they're at a talent disparity everywhere. Like even if we let's pick this series out, just real quick, you take the first pick. Who's the first pick in this series? It's gonna be Giannis, yeah. And then I counter with Jimmy Butler. I'll probably take. <laughs> I don't know if I take Drogic or Bam, but I'd probably still go Bam. <laughs> and then I probably take Middleton but I'm having a conversation about Dragic man after these first two games I'm taking Dragic but if you asked me coming into it I would have taken Middleton and then after that I think I'm going to wind up with a couple more heat players I'm going to wind up with Hero uh, Robinson 
I'm just going to probably with Yeah, I don't know. I'd probably go Bledsoe after those two. <sighs> Bledsoe's left a bad taste in my mouth a couple times during the playoffs. Definitely in the playoffs. Playoff Bledsoe is a whole different story. Um, and I think that's Him and Playoff P, the pandemic team. Yeah. Facts. Um, man, so, like – and Giannis, even himself, like you're talking about least talented, like Giannis doesn't win through talent. Like he's definitely not untalented. I want to get that, that, that out of there. Like he's not untalented, but he's not like s- super skilled by any means. This guy just stretch Armstrong's you and just dunks on everyone. Cause he's huge. He's a, he's a very good ball handler for his size. Not like he, he doesn't have an elite yo-yo. It's not Paul George or Kevin Durant, but like ball off the rim in transition. He's not kicking it off his foot. He's very much in control, and he's once he's near the free throw line, you're a dead man. Yeah, and you have to literally stop him before the free throw line, or else it's over. And my friend sent me a meme last night, like saying Giannis if he was six three and he was working at like a drive through window. And as much like I under I understand the joke where it's coming from. It's like yeah, if he if he was six three, if you just took this guy and shrunk it to six, shrunk it, shrunk him to six three, it wouldn't be good. I just hate that argument because. If he was short his whole life, he would have developed different, developed different skills and he better. Would have played and it's like it's also like what's stopping us from seeing Shaq at six two is doing the same thing. Yeah, like so that's why I hate that argument, but I I do get it just for like the humorous aspect. But yeah, where do you stand on him not uh, asking to go to Jimmy Butler during late in game one? I think he's done with Bud. <laughs> that's where I stand because like you're you're if you're like solely vested in this game and he's a competitor like he no one's saying he's not but like i think he's just done he's like go ahead bud make your adjustments like i don't like i don't know why, why he didn't and i mean yeah i don't maybe he's not that type of guy but he, he should be right like he he should be a dog and by you saying he's not that type of guy that brings me to did you see richard jefferson's comments today yeah that's uh those are a little far-fetched because Giannis can be the best player in a championship team. Agreed. Like if you like, sur- but build the team, that team isn't constructed perfectly to him. Like I think you'd want better shooters. Maybe not. Maybe not. You don't want to get rid of Brook Lopez, but I think a rim rolling big might be more beneficial. Like, like let's like let's just like build a team off the top of my head. Like if you surrounded Giannis with Clay Thompson. That's his other max guy. Duncan Robinson's there. Jared Allen's his center. And then Fred, Fred. Van Vliet's his point guard. Fred. It's gotta be Fred. Like that that's that team's that team is winning the chip so easily. Maybe not yeah, so that, easily, that, but that's that's, a, that's way better than this. Yeah. And the best player on that team is Giannis. But so you don't have shot create the team lacks shot creation just in general. That's my biggest issue with Completely. Them. It's just, and it's so, it's not, I'm not saying it's easy, but like you can find like little water bug point guards who can like in the JJ Berea mold where, Hey, you can sub him in and he's good for eight to 12. And they just haven't found any of that. They have very specific, Hey, Pat Connington is here only to shoot. Like they need to get him more help offensively. I also, I don't think Bud's a very good playoff coach at all. I saw a tweet out today, and I really wish I could see who it was from so I could give him credit. But it was essentially, 
how many five man like different five man lineups each teams have used in these playoffs and every team's kind of like 59 to 68 guess where the bucks are at 30 like up there you they they've just thrown a lottery around oh so he's not he's not saying no he's just throwing shit at the wall yeah i it was either 157 or 159 and like the next highest team was in like the 70s at the at the worst like bud's literally just ah you get up there you guys play out there together ah why don't you two go like (laughs) i thought that once again, I thought Steven's rotation was too long today. Or like, I thought he played too many guys today, or there were too many Grant Williams minutes. Right. And when you watch this Bucks team play, I think it's because it's such a tight battle for, like, who's the fourth best player? Who's the fifth best player? Like, I think after you get past, like, Giannis Middleton, Bledsoe, and Lopez, it's like, who's next? Wes Matthews, DiVincenzo, Connaughton, Ilyasova, and Bud's just throwing them out there together, throwing them out there with the starting lineup, throwing them out there with Pat the starting lineup. He's like, oh, let's see who shows up. And, I mean, it, he doesn't have time to experiment in this series because Miami's a legitimately good team, and he doesn't have time anymore because they're down 2-0. So what do you think Miami's doing that is bothering the Bucks so much offensively? Like Milwaukee offensively or Miami offensively? Uh, what is uh, Miami doing that's making it so difficult for the Bucks? Well, they're, I mean, they're building that wall that Nick Nurse showed the world how to stop Giannis with. And not every team can do this. Every team can do it to an extent, but you need that size and the length and strength. And Miami has that with Butler, Bam, Crowder, Derek Jones Jr. even. I, and you see, like, they're legitimately throwing three guys at Giannis every time he drives. And that's why I like to push back on people saying like Giannis's limitations is what's losing them and yeah if he had a jump shot be a lot better and a lot easier but it's still taking like two three guys to stop him and he needs guys like Middleton and Bledsoe to create off the bounce and like attack a closeout and make an open shot because if it's taken three guys to stop him clearly they don't see his limitations as like like he's not he's being limited because he has three guys on him so yeah they should be attacking those closeouts because once he kicks the defense should be scrambling. You should be attacking and the ball should be on a hop. Yeah. And it's also, you know, Giannis is so used to obviously doing whatever he wants. Now that the wall's built, he's having to kick out a lot. And you're kind of seeing maybe he's getting sick of kicking out. Cause when he does go up, he sometimes is just forcing it. Like he's like, I'm getting a shot at this possession. And I don't care what happens. And you saw that a few times at the beginning of uh, game two. And yeah, it just, <laughs> he's throwing, throwing everything up. All right, what's our next series? Where are we headed? Uh, well, Houston, L.A., the final one. Um, this First off, I do want to say, um, people were saying, because it was obviously a game seven between OKC and Houston, people were saying if OKC wins, they're getting absolutely smacked by L.A. I don't think that would have been the case. Do I think they would have won? No, I think it would have been five or six, but I don't think every game would have been like 50 points. Like I think it would have been close games. L.A. just would have pulled them out. But I just... I. I don't think this Lakers team is that good. I just don't see a Chris Paul team getting smacked. No, that's like, the other thing. A, a testament to CP3, I just can't imagine a Chris Paul team getting shellacked four straight times. No, no. And, yeah. And, I mean, Lou Dort, all the credit in the world. Like, I'm pretty sure, like, there's a ton of stats that floated around, so I can't, like, credit all these. And I don't even know if I'm factually stating all these, but I'm going to say them like I'm factually stating them. 
Um, the only the only rookies in the past 15 years to score 20 plus in a game seven are him and Tatum. He's also in like right. in like the youngest. There's like there's only three guys at like 20 years or younger, 21 years or younger, who scored 30 in a game seven, and that was like LeBron, Kobe, and Dort. And then I think he's like That's the and then I think he's like the only undrafted rookie to score thirty points in a game seven or something. And then Chris Paul's the oldest player to get a triple double in the game seven. So uh, shout out Dort, man, my fellow Canadian. That uh, that boy's a hooper. I always said his offensive game isn't there yet, but it's not hopeless. Like he has good, sh- he has a good shot for him. Um. So there was talk of. I just think Harden's eyes are gonna light up that he's not matched up with Lou Dort anymore. Yeah, I saw a guy send out a tweet like, yo, if Harden couldn't handle Lou Dort, wait till he meets Caruso and Green. I'm like, okay, buddy. Do you know how happy he's going to be? He's going to be so – him and Russ. I love Danny, but he's clearly lost a step. Very, yeah. And he's just – he doesn't have the – have you seen Lou Dort? He looks like a dude you don't want to try and go through. Nah, yeah, he's a – and even you can see that when he play when he, you can see that when he plays offense, he's a bull in a china shop. Like that guy's going, and he is not. No one's he's stopping him. Up. He's big, and he's only what twenty years old. Like, man, that's a he's too big for twenty years old. He's on some. Man, so I think the Rockets have a real shot in this series. I do too. I don't know. As a matter of fact, I know for a fact I wouldn't bet my money on anybody in this series. But I just think they can put so much pressure on those Lakers guards. Like, offensively, they're just going to attack, attack, attack. I wouldn't be surprised if we have to break the glass on emergency defender LeBron, where he has to go to Harden late in games a couple times. Mm -hmm. No, yeah. I think these games should be extremely high scoring because – we just talked about how Harden and Westbrook are going to light up seeing those guards, but at the same time, no one in this on this Houston team should stop AD. AD needs to be aggressive. He can shoot sometimes, but he needs to mix it up. He needs to get inside and just bully them because no one's going to stop him, and no one's going to stop LeBron from getting to the hole. Like All four of these stars should literally have like 30 every night. I'd like to see LeBron kind of try and light AD up. Like, hey, this series... Let's get you rolling. Like, these guys are tiny. It should be 35 nightly. Let's punish them. Let's foul guys out. Let He should – LeBron should turn to AD and say, look, they got to break the glass on Tyson Chandler. Mm-hmm. Because like, we're going to punish these little dudes. I think Covington will be on him because I think Tucker will guard LeBron. It'll be one of the two on the other. I think that one makes the most sense. And – with Covington on AD, and if they just go to AD nonstop, first off, that'll be extremely demoralizing for Covington because last series, Chris Paul just wanted to hunt him out every chance he got. And now the Lakers see, oh yeah, you're on AD now, we'll go at you. Especially for a guy who typically has a good rep as a good defender. Like He's like, yo, why are you guys all attacking me? But he couldn't stop Chris Paul. I do find that kind of funny. Like He went after Covington instead of Harden, and I guess he just really liked the matchup with the speed advantage. But man, that's a... AD... If he's aggressive, he literally should score 40 a game. Like, I don't even think that's exaggerating. Maybe um, a little. Quick to the Chris Paul point, he is my favorite when he hunts people in pick and roll. Like, when he comes after you and he's, no, 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 you said it. And then he gets the switch and he takes two steps back going through the legs. 
it's just some of my favorite, oh, this is exactly what he wanted. He he was dribbling the ball up the court, and he said, I want him. He's he's a killer, man. Like, this guy literally, yeah, as you said, looks up, this guy's coming to the screen. He's like, no, no, you go back. You come here. <laughs> like, I want your guy. But Davis should just be too, even like Howard, to some extent, should just be too much for the Rockets inside. Yeah, and... But I they're mean, gonna shoot 63s. The Rockets have a bunch of guys built like fire hydrants, so I don't think AD posting up will necessarily do a whole bunch. He still still should score a lot, but I think if you run a LeBron AD pick and roll where LeBron's just I mean uh, AD's just diving hard to the rim, that should be unstoppable. Um well I secretly think that we might see a big Eric Gordon series. Hey, I hope so. He's had a he's had a rough year. He's looked a bit better in the bubble, but I, I like Eric Gordon. I just think he's he's always super aggressive, and with the pressure that Russ and Harden should be putting on the defense, I think he should get some nice clean looks. Yeah, no, all, all the attention will be focused on Russ and Harden, just like all the attention probably should be focused on LeBron and AD, and I think it could come down in some sense to. Which of these supporting casts is going to hit their threes? Because both of these teams, we know their supporting cast just wants to chuck. Especially yeah, they're built. They're built to space. Mm-hmm. They are built to space the floor. They're there to make optimum room for the creators. Which one of these four series are you most excited about? I we're am... already like partway through two of them, so. <laughs> like... I think Lakers Rockets is the one I'm most excited about, just because I think it should be the most even match. Yeah, I have absolute new life for this Raptors series, so I would obviously choose that one. But if I'm going away from that, just because obviously my bias is there, it might be unpopular, but I'm super excited for Clippers Nuggets. Like, I just... That's going to be high scoring, and that'll be, like, nice. It'll be good, crisp basketball. Right. Well, I hope after Game 7. I don't know what the Nuggets can do. Yeah, I mean, we're recording this right now. First quarter just finished. It's 31-31, so... Um, I mean, we can go get watching that. Rob, you're, uh, you're a pleasure to do this with. You want to shout anything out? I know you got a, a podcast to shout out, so I'll let you do that. Oh, I did a podcast with Above the Break 3 on Twitter. He's a draft uh, Nick. We talked ba- uh, big picture draft, and then somehow we got on Pokemon in the NBA, and I was super happy. So you can find that on the Shaw's Law podcast, and I'm just about everywhere podcasts are listened to. Awesome, man. And then, yeah, Shaw's Law podcast on Instagram and Twitter, too? Yes. Uh, yeah, I mean, we're going to go to Jesse Cinquini and Matt Esposito right after this, but I'm going to plug my article mid-show on Fred Van Bleet's off-ball defense. I uh, dropped that one. It's a little bit of a film analysis. Uh I found myself literally just kind of like teaching defensive like things throughout that whole thing. I was like, oh, whatever, I'll drop this anyway. So go check that out. Uh, Rob, thanks so much for coming on. And once again, we'll do this again. That sounds good. Joining us, we got Jesse Sinquini of the Playgrounder. First time on the pod, but a Playgrounder faithful, even long before I was ever here. Uh, he also covers the Grizzlies for SB Nation, the, the Grizzly Bear Blues. How do you like... Do you like writing for, like, the Grizzly Bear Blues? Like, I feel like just that name, like, it just sounds really cool. Yeah, I mean, I honestly, like, didn't didn't he, didn't he know, like, about that name, like, 
when I first applied, I wasn't sure that, that the site was called Grizzly Bear Blues, but I mean, I, I like the name. I like it. Um, is it as good I, as the Playgrounder? Because <laughs> that's a pretty good name. Joe Mall. If Joe Mullinax is watching, <laughs> this guy's in such a tough situation right now. He's like, either I offend my, my, either I offend him or I get kicked off the pod. So, I've I've talked to Joe a few times, man. So you know, we're we're gonna have to have a back and forth about you because uh, Jesse writes a lot of good stuff for the site, and and we're definitely happy to have him on. So we're not gonna make you, we're not gonna make you answer this question. We'll let you skate on this one. Um, I gotta be honest though, like this is the first time I heard your last name like pronounced and i think i've been saying it chinquini like like a hard c yeah i I did hear you say that and i should have corrected you it's not a big deal though like you know what you keep keep me in line man because uh i'm i'm liable to do whatever and and uh you know and and, you know and and i know zach before every podcast like asked everyone multiple times like hey how do you pronounce this name but um still end up getting it wrong sometimes sure but uh all right Let's dive into it, Zach. What do we got on the agenda today? Well, uh, we are recording this directly before Game 3 of Celtics-Raptors, so if we do happen to make any playoff references, just know that's where we're at in the playoffs because the odds are you're listening to this after that. Um, uh, I guess, Jesse, just uh, first off, what are your opinions on that series? Because I know you're a Celtics guy, right? Aside from being a Grizzlies reporter, you a big Celtics guy, so how are you feeling? Don't hold back. Don't hold back, Jesse. I am a Celtics guy. I'm a Massachusetts native, so... Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I didn't expect to, the Celtics to take a 2-0 lead. Um, I thought, I thought the Raptors were going to take game two. Obviously it was, it was a tight game. Um, but, um, I think that like, damn it. I'm sorry. Um, Jesse nervous. Look at this guy. He's coming on with me and Zach for the first time and he's, he's cheesing over here. And he's like, listen. All I have to say is this. Me and Zach have a bet, right? And the bet is that whoever wins the series... So, like, if, if the Raptors win, I have to put a We the North thing or something in my Twitter handle and vice versa. Twitter what banner. Gonna, yeah, banner. Banner. What? Thanks, Zach. What do you think is going to happen? Who's going to take this series? Um, I'd say Celtics and Six. I think the Raptors are going to win tonight. But, um... I think in game five, I I mean, I mean, game four, then the Raptors will win game five and the Celtics will take it in six. That's my prediction. I will say like last game, realistic, like the Raptors should have won last game. They shot like absolute garbage and every other facet of the game. They played well, but I think they still managed to shoot like 20 something percent from three and it still took Marcus Smart going Steph Curry in the first five minutes of the fourth for the Celtics to like come out with the win. So Toronto, uh, I mean, they're doing it to themselves. They just haven't played good. I know every single Raptors fan is questioning the refs, and sure, maybe there's questionable calls, but when you're shooting like 20-something percent from three two games in a row, you're just you're not going to win the series. Yeah, and the thing is, like, the Raptors shot the ball from deep so well, I think, in the first round. Didn't they shoot it, like, nearly, like, 40% from deep or something yeah, well, like especially, that? Yeah, especially Fred. Like, he was over 50 in, like or something in the first round, or at least through the first three games. And then, yeah, he, I think he I think he, I think think he, he might be, like, the first player ever to miss nine three-pointers in the first two games of a series. I think I saw that stat. Wow, I didn't know that. I mean, I know that he's, like, struggled a bit, but I didn't know it was, like, to that extent. 
Yeah. So uh, Zach, what are the odds? What are the odds it's a sweep? I, I mean, if I had to put a percentage on it, I would still put it below fifty. So maybe I'd go like thirty percent. Like I'm not completely out of like like sold on it not being a sweep one hundred percent. But I would still put it below fifty percent. I still think Toronto's good enough. Uh, what's annoying me more is Raptors fans as a whole, like getting so like worked up over Pascal Siakam saying we need to trade him, like all that stuff. Like, like can we relax for a second? He is not, he's not the first option on a championship team and he never was going to be like, there's only six or seven of those guys in the league. If the Raptors were going to win it this year, which they still can, like it's not over, but they would have to Oh, four pissing it, which essentially means you don't know who the best player is. You can look back and say, was it Kyle? Was it Pascal? Was it Fred? Like, Pascal's not going to be the guy who carries a team and is the number one guy on a team where it's just a bunch of role players. And that's okay. He still deserves a max contract. If you look at championship teams in the past 10 years, they have, like, two max guys, sometimes three. And he's proven he can be the second best guy in a championship team. Like, that's not even a prediction at that, that point. It literally happened last year. So Raptors fans just need to calm down a bit with the Pascal slander. I know he hasn't been that good, and he could still be better than this, but he's just he's not going to be a number one guy in a championship team. Calm down. It's also only his first year as a first option, so let's just relax. No, I I agree and like I, I think that people that watch the NBA a lot like throughout the throughout the year knew that, right? Like but I think there are a lot of fans um out there that are maybe a little more casual that were like, oh man, like he you know he can't handle it. It's like, well that's never really who he was. But um what I'd love to do here and, and this is part of the reason that we brought Jesse on today, just besides, you know, we wanted to get him on a podcast. Cause, yeah, uh, sorry. I totally just spent like th- three minutes ranting on the Raptors. No, listen, you 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 have full authority to do whatever you want, man. Um, we wanted to have Jesse talk about Memphis a little bit in Portland because these are two teams that are in the offseason. So this is what we do. Um, we're going to come up with, we each came up, I think, with like what, like one or two trades for each team. We're just going to talk about them real quick and then get out of here before the Celtics game, game comes on because Zach and I want to watch that. And so does Jesse. Um, what do you want to start? You want to start with Memphis or Portland? Uh, let's start with Memphis. Why not? Okay, let's go for it. Um, I'm going to go first because I'm, I'm feeling energetic today and I want to, and I want to set the tone here. All right. I, I have a couple of them. I'm, I'm going to start with one that isn't like a huge, huge, huge blockbuster, but this is what we got. Evan Fournier of the Orlando Magic going to the Grizzlies and in return, the Magic at Ty Jones, who's a point guard and Kyle Anderson and a first-round pick. And here's why it makes sense, okay? The Grizzlies were really close to contention, and everyone knows that they want to get back to the playoffs, right? I don't think they want to take a step backwards. Um, Fournier is a guy who can help them do that. He's six foot six, six seven. He can shoot. He can create a little bit for himself. Um, and it's also not like a huge uh, commitment you have to make because he'll be on an, on an expiring deal. He's a good fit next to everybody there. For the Magic, um, I think Fournier just might leave anyways in the offseason. I think a smart team is going to pick him up. They can get a nice little young point guard that everyone likes and Tyus Jones. Um, Kyle Anderson is is a solid player. And if you get a pick out of it, even if it's like heavily protected, I think that makes sense. What do you guys think? Feel free to tear it apart. Go ahead, uh, Memphis Grizzly expert Jesse. I'm I'm no expert, but thank you. And um as far as your trade goes, Matt, I definitely think Fournier would be a good fit in Orlando. I mean, floor spacing was one of the Grizzlies' problems. Well, not problems, but areas of areas of improvement. I mean, they're one of the best. I think they led the team that led the league in points in the paint. But um, as far as like from beyond the arc goes, 
they're like around league average. But um, what I would say is that Memphis would lose a ton of playmaking with Tyus Jones and Kyle Anderson going to the Magic, and I think that could definitely hurt them. Um, as as the um, seeding games went on in Orlando, you could tell that um, like well, Tyus Jones was hurt like the whole time in Orlando, and you could tell that when there was no John Moran, John Moran on the floor, like it was tough at times for the Grizzlies to generate offense. So if if you take away Kyle Anderson and Tyus Jones, they're probably the Grizzlies' second and third best playmakers. So playmaking could be an issue if those two guys leave. No, I, I agree with you. And like hopefully they could bring back someone like D'Anthony Melton who might be able to help a little bit in that in that area. Uh, Zach, what are your thoughts, man? Uh, I guess I can kind of use it to like flow into mine because I kind of basically had the same sort of uh, thoughts on you going with a, a wing scorer who's on the last year of his deal, more of an offensive-minded player. So do you want me to just like flow right into mine right now? Yeah, yeah, go for it. So I wasn't exactly sure how to do this, and maybe uh, Jesse, as a Memphis guy, you'll just completely shut this down. But I wanted to find a way to get Danilo Gallinari over to Memphis. I think if they can secure kind of that three position, get another offensive weapon, a guy who can play the three or the four. And then I think you can start him at the three next to uh, Jackson and Clark. And because of that, I am sending back Valanchunas, Josh Jackson, and then probably a first. I just feel like OKC's in in the basket right now where they'll just take anyone and give away anyone for a first round pick because they want to accumulate a hundred of them. I think they want to be the first team ever to do that. So you get Valanchunas and maybe you flip him. Maybe you end up trading Adams and then you have Valanchunas who's a bit younger. Um, you get a flyer in Josh Jackson who has had ups and downs, more downs obviously, but still a young guy that maybe can turn out and then you get a pick with it. And I think that, I think Gallo makes Memphis a lot better with like jaw, Dylan Brooks, Gallo, Clark and Jackson. I think that's a really good starting lineup. And then you can just sign some sort of backup center somewhere. I don't know, Aaron Baines, something, I don't know, but Jesse, what do you, uh, what do you think of this? And how do you think that would, that would kind of project Memphis going forward? Well, I mean, Valanchunas was arguably the Grizzlies most consistent player. I think this season, the guy was, was just like a double, double machine. And when the Grizzlies needed him, like during the seeding games and when they needed to win at the end, like at the end of the season to like make the play in game, he like played his best. Um, and like, obviously Gallo is a great scorer. Um, but I think that sli- sliding Clark to the starting lineup might be problematic just because he is someone that really can't create like shots for himself. And he was, he, he and Tyus Jones were a really good pick and roll pairing off the bench, but um, the the few times that Clark has been in the starting lineup, like due to injuries, he's like he's like str- I think he struggled. I mean, he he didn't get as much touches, and he just kind of looks out of place. So I think Clark should stay on the bench, but maybe starting someone like Anthony Tolliver at the four would work. Yeah, I mean, you Zach, could go. You know what would you say, uh, Zach? You know how I love Jonas Valanciunas. I do too, and that's why I kind of struggled with this, but I didn't know how else to make the money work. And right. I know he was really good for them, and that's why like, I kind of struggle making like fake trades for both sides because I'm like, I can get on one side, I'm like, yeah, it works really well for them, and then I go to the back, and I'm like, yeah, it works decent for them, so why not make it happen? Like, I struggle like finding like a balance where I can like debate both sides in my head and just making it so both teams are just perfectly satisfied. 
he's he's super underrated. I think I think he's a great player. Um, so I'll drop my I'll drop my uh, my second one, and I think you guys are gonna like this. All right, so this this is the big one. I think this makes a ton of sense. Let me sell you guys on it. Okay. All right. So the Washington Wizards send over Bradley Beal. Okay. Now all like all the reporting is that they're not gonna do it. Like they're just gonna hang on to him and at least see what they have with John Wall. But we never know what's going to happen in today's world, right? So they sent over Bradley Beal, who's on a long-term contract, and is an absolutely perfect fit for what they're doing down there in Memphis. And he's a great fit next to John Morant. Um, he can create. He can play off the ball. And he actually, like, when he is locked in, like the last time we saw him fully engaged, can actually play decent defense. In return, Washington gets my guy, Gorgie Dang. Love that. I think I think he's super underrated as well. They get uh, Tyus Jones, a ton of picks, and Brandon Clark. I don't know if that's enough to get it done, but I think Washington would love to have Brandon Clark. I think he's a steal of the draft. They get to move off of uh, Bradley Beal's long-term contract, and they get an expiring in Gorgie Jang. Tyus Jones is pretty good, and then you just like smother them with picks. I don't think it's enough, but I do think it's uh, the Brandon Clark piece is enticing, and if you can package in some picks in uh, in, in there as well, what's your take? Well, do you, think, I mean, do you think it's enough? <laughs> if if I'm you not, were Washington, I I don't I, I feel like it is because I don't know like who who could give a better offer honestly like Clark is like a really I think he he's a really good trade piece obviously he's super young he was art he was one of the most efficient rookies scoring wise in the history of the game, um, super athletic. Exactly. And um, what what the Beal trade would also do for Memphis is put Dylan Brooks probably where he's at best, which is a sixth man. Mm-hmm. I, I think he's a really good player, but um, I mean, as the starting two guard, he I think he takes too many shots. And I think Memphis fans will agree with me. And I think you guys might be surprised to hear that Dylan Brooks took more field goal atten- attempts per game than Jaron Jackson Jr. or John Morant, like it's pretty surprising. I'm not yeah. surprised to hear that. Like it, it, it. Sh- I should be, but like watching Memphis, I'm just, I'm not. Yeah, no, that's like that's one of those things that always catches me off guard because like Morant should just be chucking up shots and Jaron Jackson should be taking like seven threes a game. Um, it is like that. I, I love that fit, uh, Zach. What, what do you think about it? I, uh, I mean, obviously we hear Bradley Beal trades thrown around and Bradley Beal is one of those guys who honestly can fit like anywhere just because he's right. so strong off ball and so strong on ball. I forget which one I said first, but he's, he's strong. Any, any area of the offensive end, he's strong, obviously defense. He, he struggles. I think his struggles defensively or whatever though, like you can hide him. He's not just an absolute hole, but yeah, I mean, if I, I don't think Washington's going to give him up. It seems like they're going to try to contend with John Wall back. It seems like they're pushing the fact that John Wall's in the best shape of his life. Uh, and then it looks like they're trying to get Bertans back. So I doubt they're going to trade him. But yeah, I mean, Beal would be perfect to take kind of the pressure off a guy like Jaw and, you know, run run the offense too. So yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd take it. I'd take Beal on my team, really. I think Beal's amazing. Yeah, he's he's a stud. He's still young. He's like 26 years old or something like that. Um, Zach, you have any, you have any more Memphis trades or do you want to move to Portland? So I didn't have a trade, but what do we think about them potentially signing Tim Hardaway Jr.? 
too. I love him. I think I think he had such a like redemption year this year. Like, how can you not root for that guy? He's got a cool dad, right? And anyone who like gets traded from New York City, which is awesome, to Memphis, which is not as awesome. You mean Dallas? Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. To to Dallas, which is still good, but like not as awesome as New York. You got to root for him, and he crushed it this year. Um, would would he be a good fit there, Jesse? I'm not sure. I feel like if if he if he was on Memphis, he would low key have a Dylan Ro- Dylan Brooks sort of role. Um, whether he's whether he's starting or coming off the bench, I mean, obviously he can get buckets, but I mean, it's known that he's not the most efficient player. So I don't know if he would be an upgrade over Dylan Brooks. That's the thing. I feel like he would be. I think, especially what we've seen this year out of him in Dallas. Like, I think he's a better shooter than Brooks, and I feel like he's he's way more apt to like if if he's told to take a bit more of a backseat than he will. But that's just me. Obviously, I've never talked to the guy. I think it depends on the role. Like, like we, I think you want Dylan Brooks to take last shots, right? And I think Tim Hardaway Jr. is an upgrade in talent. And it would just you'd have to it, it would have to flush itself out right you'd have to find a good balance in field goals and everything like that. Um, but I think that I think they could do that over time. All right, you want to move on to uh, to Portland, and I kind of want to start with with a rant. Go ahead. Okay. All right. Let me. So I this is you ever like take a shower or like drive your car and you just start like ranting. Yeah, I actually um, I sit on a mower all day for work so it's like ample rant time to just let out all my frustrations and no one can hear me yeah so i i don't sit on a mower for work but uh i i used to have like an hour-long commute and i'm assuming that they're both kind of like like similar in how miserable they are and like this has been my rant lately okay so like portland has had two really good players and uh and obviously they won super duper star in jammer and Damian Lillard for like a long, long time, right? And they've never done anything to go all in with it. They've always been in the middle of trade rumors and everything like that, but they've never really like actually dove in, okay? So like they missed their window. They had a huge expiring contract this year in Hassan Whiteside, and they could have shipped out off somewhere to bring back a star player. They had, they've like been hyping up Anthony Simons forever, right? For like the past two years. And it turns out like he's okay, but he's not that good of an asset, um, the same thing with Zach Collins. They've been hyping him up, and he's never really been able to play and stay healthy and play consistently. And they missed their window to combine their assets with an, a huge expiring contract, with, with which is an asset in itself, like in today's game. And they could they could have gone all in on Damon CJ. And like my my what I think is going to happen is, I think they're not going to make a, a major move. And I think that that team is going to get routinely bounced in the first or second round for like the next three or four years. And then they're going to look back and be like, wow, we have this guy, Dame Lillard, who went all in with our city in our in our culture. And we never really did anything for him. So that's that's my take about it. Do you agree with my take or do you disagree with my take? Because I think I'm spot on here. So please don't disagree with me. (laughs) No, I mean, as a Raptors fan, I'm literally used to the situation where it was really strong regular seasons, sometimes, honestly, absolutely elite regular seasons, and then just, you know, flopping down in the playoffs because you don't have the talent, you don't have the top-end talent to win at the championship level. And I think we're kind of seeing 
this out of Philly. Now theirs was more just making dumb moves. They tried to go all in, but they just didn't know how to. And I think I think we honestly are seeing it with Milwaukee. I think they got satisfied with their team. I think Middleton, you could have traded a young guy for like a real, real top tier guy to pair with Giannis. But I think Portland is more comparable to what Toronto went through where you know, Masai just said enough is enough. I'm going to make a bold move. It might not work out. This guy might not even come play for us. He might sit out the whole year, but I'm going to do it. And Portland needs to jump in all on that because right now they're just coasting through mediocrity where their absolute peak, as we saw last year, is making it to the conference final through an easy run. And then we saw the low this year where a couple guys get hurt and they're almost out of the playoffs. They do end up sneaking because of the whole play-in game. But yeah, I just... I. Yeah, I agree with you. So it, it it really is like a travesty what they've done with him, in in my opinion. So, and and when you look around like the landscape today, there aren't a lot of guys that they could go out and get. Like, in my opinion, they they need either like a really really good big or like a forward. And the market for those guys just isn't really out. Or the market for guys who could make a legitimate impact and make them contenders just isn't out there. That being said, I'm diving into my first trade, and I think you guys are gonna hate it. But let me talk you into it, okay? All right. Portland would get Al Horford and Shake Millen. Okay. And Philadelphia gets Trevor Ariza and Nurkic. And this is why both teams would do it. All right. Everyone knows Philadelphia made a mistake with Al Horford contract. And they, they just need to move off of it. Ariza was a good player for Portland. Um, started games for them. And I think he hit like 40 percent from three. But he's an expiring contract. And like they, they need that. They need to clear the cap space. Nurkic is only $24 million over two years. That's really doable. Given Embiid's injury history, although he's been better lately, that's actually like not a bad backup option to have. For Portland, they need a low-usage big man who can stretch the floor and make passes. And like that's Al Horford to a T. And I know that he like you know sucked this year, but he was, he was really good on the Celtics. And I think part of it was just fit. Um, and if you were to throw in Shake Milton, who I think Philadelphia would have to just to move off of that contract— He's a good player. Like he's he's not the guy that they wanted him to be this postseason, but he can play off the ball, he can play on the ball, he can come off the bench, he can start, and he can really play like three different positions. So I know that like it's not like no one wants to take on that contract, but that's what I got. Uh what's your what's your first reaction, Jesse? Well, um, I'm not really sure like how how Nurkic and like Embiid, how that pairing would go, but like as far as Al Horford on Portland, like I agree that I think it's a perfect fit. Um, obviously, with Philly's like lack of shooters, he really just didn't. He just like wasn't put in a position to succeed, in my opinion. And with Portland, I think he'll be put put in a position to succeed. Zach, what do you got? You didn't convince me why either team would do this. Why not? Okay, listen. Philly needs to get off that. I know, but I don't think they would do it for another center. I know, but it's it's just something you have to eat, right? Like, so th- think of it this way: instead of instead of paying Al Horford that monster contract, you get an expiring Ariza, who they could actually use on that team. And then Nurkic, it's not that big of a cap it, like comparatively, it's it's just twelve million per year. And I don't even think Nurkic can handle like a big workload, to, to be honest. So like. I it it's not like it's not ideal, but it's ideal enough to move off of that contract and like main, maintain some long term flexibility. It is, it is I it is better for the Philly side. I don't see why Portland would take on Al Horford. Like I understand fit wise, it may work, but I just can't see anyone 
giving up a valuable asset or a good player for that contract. Because even I, even what Al Horford does well now, it's it's not like he does it like he did when he was in Atlanta or even when he was in Boston. So I if, to make this work, you have to believe that like it was just a bad fit in Philadelphia, which I, I think it was. Like it's like when you look at how much his percentage has dropped, it's it's like really unbelievable. I mean, he was like a 40, 42 percent three point shooter in Boston, and then he just like fell off. So like I think his shooting's gonna come back. I think that's just what they need. Um, that's, I know it's a tough sell, though, so like I'm not surprised I didn't sell you. Zach, what do you got? Oh, mine's probably going to be even harder to sell, and I don't even know if I've sold myself on it because I technically <laughs> still haven't even come up with a conclusive trade because I am I'm so confused on what this guy's trade value is. So I'll just ask you guys right off the bat, what is the trade value of Blake Griffin? Oh, my God. That was... That was going to be my my the other guy that I brought up. Um, we could talk about this all day. All right. So Blake, had, you know, when he went to Detroit um, last year, he was awesome. He returned to the All-Star game. He was what, like 24, five assists, seven rebounds a game. And, and like he's not a great three-point shooter, but he's league average, which is which is good enough, to be honest. But he's like an unbelievable playmaker. And he looked like old Blake. And I mean, not the athleticism, but just like the playmaking and the creating. Um, but he's got this. Uh, actually, I think he only has like what two years left on his contract now. I think like two years after this year. Okay. Um, Maybe. Yeah. I can look that up. It's not. It's not good. Um, but but either way, like I, his trade value is weird because he came. He didn't really come back from injury good this year, and he's getting older. And no one really knows what he's worth. So what do you what do you think he's worth? Well, that's like that's the thing is if you get that version of Blake somehow, or even just a slightly worse, like that is a player who maybe doesn't make them like a championship contender, but can legitimately put them atop the West if Blake comes back and he's strong. Like that's a good big three. But the right. thing is, if you get Blake to come back, play solid for twenty games, and he's out forty, then he comes back, plays another twenty, like that just puts them right back into the mediocrity. So. It's kind of like a, I feel like it's like a high reward, semi low risk just because of his contract. Otherwise, it would be like a semi low risk. I don't know, Jesse. What do you think about the whole Blake Griffin thing and his fit on Portland and just his trade value? Um, I mean, I think he'll he'll bounce back next season. Will he Will he play as well as he did two years ago? I'm not sure, but I mean, I feel like he really couldn't have played any worse this season. Like his his field goal percentage was terrible. Um, I mean, he just looked he didn't look like himself. But um, as far as his trade value goes, it's probably pretty low right now. I mean, not like not like Al Horford low, but like, I don't think you I don't think you have to give up any picks for him. To be honest, it's hard to make the money work because he makes so much too. Like what I had in place, and I don't know how like if either team would like this and maybe I'll get trashed from both fan bases, but like you have to basically have Whiteside in there just to make the money work. So, and then I put like Zach Collins there and then I don't know, maybe I, Nasir little too. Like I just, I don't know where to go with it. I think Whiteside's expiring though. Like I think I'm pretty sure his, his deal is up if I remember. Or oh, right. Like he's a up. free agent. But, but either way, like, so you can, you can find a framework for that trade. If you throw in a reason in Nurkic, I think, and like maybe an asset, but either way, like if if you're Detroit, you, like, I think you, you have to do it, um, and and I think they should rebuild, and I think they're going to rebuild. But 
if you're if you're Portland, like what else are you gonna do? Like you're either never gonna go all in with Damon CJ or you're gonna go all in and unfortunately like the players that are out there are all like like high risk, high reward. Like the the reward with Blake Griffin is winning, you know, fifty five plus games and maybe not like coming out of the West, but maybe making it to Western Conference Finals. Like if, if everything hits, like that is the ceiling. Um, Cause he's still, he's super talented. And I, in my opinion, he fits what Portland needs. Like Portland needs a guy that you can't like, if, if you're an opposing team and this, we saw the Lakers do this, like they just doubled off players. They doubled off of Nurkic. They doubled off of Whiteside to cover Damon CJ. And like, you can't double off Blake, right? You just can't do it. Like he's going to burn you in so many different ways. Like, I think it'd be a great fit. I don't know, but I got one more for you. And then I guess we'll just ask Jesse who the best one is and, and he can pick. All right. This one's been rumored for a long time, and it's uh, it's because he's from o- or- Oregon. Oregon? How do you guys say it? I say Oregon. Yeah. Or- you don't say Oregon. I say Oregon, like Oregon Trail. You remember that game? Or you guys, you guys are way too freaking young. I'm so old. Um, all right, this is what I got. I got Kevin Love going over to Portland. Um, he's on a he's on a super long term deal. We know that. Um, but at this point of the game, if you're Portland, you got to go all in for someone and you just, you just have to do it. Like what else are you going to do? Um, excellent shooter, really good passer. I, I actually think he's aging kind of nicely and I'd love to see him like revamped on a good team. Um, you basically, you can send back a reason Nurkic, um, and whatever, you, whatever else you need to throw in. So like the framework financially is there and for Cleveland, it makes sense. Like for Cleveland, I think they just would love to get off some, uh, some contracts really, really like tank again one more time especially in next year's draft and get like a Cade Cunningham or something um it it just it just I think it makes sense for both sides um to acquire someone and then for somebody to move on so out of Kevin Love Al Horford and the Blake Griffin trade Jesse which one which one would you go with if you were Neil O'Shea the 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 executive over in Portland um no pressure though (laughs) I'd probably say Kevin Love if I had to pick one though I, I just think he's the best fit, and he's, like, the the lowest – well, yeah, I'd say he's the lowest risk. I mean, he, you know what you're going to get out of Kevin Love, I think. His his ceiling, though, is – well, Zach, tell me, tell me if you agree or disagree. Like, the ceiling with that team, uh, with Blake Griffin compared to Kevin Love, is different, though, right? That's what I – like, that's that's where I basically was. Like, I was looking at these trades, and – I was I was basically like, look, you can choose between the three power forwards of Griffin, Love, and Aldridge, and I think Aldridge and Love put them mm. in a safer place. I think all it does is elevate them to a higher level of mediocrity. Like it makes them better, but I still can't see them coming out the West. Where Blake Griffin, at the very worst, it's going to be worse than if you acquire Love or Aldridge. But at its possible peak, I think like I think Blake's better than both those guys, but. Obviously, I mean, we have like that's what I, I was saying about his trade value. We have no idea how he returns with, um, like, with, with all these injuries. So, Love and Aldridge is probably where they would go if they make a big move, just because I think Blake Griffin's too big of a risk. But yeah, I agree with you. I think the ceiling is higher if they can get Blake and he plays like Blake. Okay, let's let's pick one, let's pick one for each. Let's go with Blake Griffin for Portland. Are we good with that as a team? Yeah. Sure. Jesse just Jesse just crowned it. He gave a he gave a solid head nod and he said yeah. Um, and then for Memphis we had Fournier, we had the Beal trade, and we had uh, Zach. What was yours? Oh, the Gallo deal. The Gallo deal. Who would you rather? Who would you rather see in Memphis, Jesse? Because you're our, you're a resident expert here. Would you rather see uh, Fournier giving up for some? Uh, you get to keep Brandon Clark, 
Would you rather see Bradley Beal, but you give up Brandon Clark and a whole bunch of picks, or would you rather uh, find a way to get Gallo in there? Um, believe it or not, I would I would trade for Beal and give up Clark. I, I love Clark, but I just think of John Morant, Bradley Beal backcourt. That would just be so fun to watch. Like they Good would. Man, Jesse. What? No, that, that, that's a hell of a pick right there. And you were supposed to side with me, so that makes sense. Um, although I, I actually, I love the Gallo fit as well. And there is part of me that like thinks Brandon Clark shooting this year was it's going to go down next year. I think he, I don't think he's as good as a shooter as what his percentages showed, which, uh, you know, I, I did a lot of writing about and I'm definitely going to, you know what, I'll, I'll put that back out there. Um, why are we not GMs yet, guys? Yeah, I don't know. It's only a matter of time till we get hired, though. Do you think we could get hired as like a three-person team? I would be down for that. I think I would be way better at negotiating trades when I'm just negotiating one side of it than both sides. Like I'm terrible at coming up with the fake trades because like I said, like I can negotiate for one side super hard and try to see why this person fits perfectly here. But then I'm like, oh, I have to give up something to make this other team really want to make this deal too. So uh, right, yeah, I'd be better as a GM than on a podcast. So here's here's what we would do. Jesse would Jesse would be like our head scout because Je- uh, Jesse's good at that. So he can figure out player strengths, player weaknesses. Uh, Zach, you're good at you know you're good at networking and like schmoozing over people, so you can do that. And um, I'll just I'll just be the pretty face. Deal. I mean, I can't be the pretty face, so uh, I'm glad you took that role. I didn't want to be the one to say it. Um, I'm glad you came to that realization on your own. All right, Zach and I gotta get out of here. We gotta go watch some Celtics Raptors. <sighs> Yeah, Jesse. Uh, Jesse, thanks for coming on, man. I uh, I'm hoping when we talk in like three hours or when I'm on this Twitter world that I'll be uh, I'll be feeling better about this series. Jesse, before we leave, tell everybody where they can find you on social media. Uh, so you guys can find me on Twitter at Sinquini Jesse, and yeah, there will there I just I just post all my like work and. You can find my work there. Perfect. Cool. And obviously, SB Nation, we're proud of Jesse for uh, for getting that job over there. All right, Zach, you got anything? Uh, what, what do we got next in this podcast? What's on the agenda? We're finishing it off with this. This is the cap. This is the, uh, this is the cap. This we got it all it. backwards, man. So, uh, everyone, have a great day. Have a great time watching playoff basketball. Go to theplaygrounder.com. Follow at PlaygroundernBA on Twitter. At theplaygrounder on Instagram. And... Peace out. We stayed up till the morning. Talking till the first light of dawn.